Hi, this is Art Tomasetti. Happy New Year and welcome to the January edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. In this edition, we will cover what you can find in the January issue of the Flight Test Safety Fact, review some upcoming events, and provide our January specialty topic. As always, we welcome your feedback and input for these podcasts. Please let us know what you think and let us know what you might like to hear in a future podcast. The January issue of the Flight Test Safety Fact is now available. If you do not currently receive it, you can find it on the Flight Test Safety website, www.flighttestsafety.org, Flight Test Safety is all one word, and just click on News at the top of the webpage. In this issue, you will find in the Chairman's Comments, a former test pilot school commanding officer sharing reflections for the new test pilot school graduates. You will also find an article titled, Life's a Beach. In thinking about those new test pilot school graduates, the author Mark Jones posed the following question to the Flight Test Safety Committee members. He asked, if it were possible to send a message back in time, what advice would you give to your younger self that was just entering the world of flight test? You will find some interesting and great advice and wisdom from several of the Flight Test Safety Committee members. And here's some reminders for upcoming events. For AIAA, the 2020 AIAA Aviation and Aeronautics Forum and Exposition will take place 15 through 19 June in Reno, Nevada. For SFTE, 24 January is the deadline for abstracts for the European Symposium and the European Test and Telemetry Conference, which will take place in Nuremberg, Germany in June. For SCTP, Calls for papers are out for several symposia. The 13th Annual Southeast Section Symposium will take place at the Doolittle Institute in Niceville, Florida on the 21st of February. The 50th Annual West Coast Symposium will be held 13 through 14 March at the Catamaran Resort Hotel and Spa in San Diego, California. And the 36th Annual East Coast Section Symposium will be held on 3 April at the Bay District Volunteer Fire Department in Lexington Park, Maryland. And a call for presentations is also out for the 2020 Flight Test Safety Workshop. Come join us in the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado, as we focus on safety promotion, the fourth major component of the safety management system. We want to hear from test organizations on their successes or challenges in providing necessary training for testers and the means to ensure safety critical information is shared broadly. Perhaps share your SMS implementation strategy and the tools and methods that pave the way for a positive safety culture. The deadline for abstracts is 10 February to allow time for appropriate consideration and inclusion in the program. You can find details for all of these events on the various organizational websites. This month, I have two short vignettes for our specialty topic. In keeping with the theme of advice to new graduates from test pilot school, the first is an excerpt from the 2003 SCTP Centennial Flight Oral History Sessions. Let's listen to retired U.S. Air Force Major General Cecil Powell talk about his experience with the NASA Lifting Bodies Program and the X-24. 
Now, Major General uh, Cease Powell here was, was one of the most distinguished of the lifting body pilots. His experience was with uh, the uh, X-24, largely with the X-24, and also the M-2, I believe. And uh, he would like to uh, give us a little uh, presentation on what it was like to prepare for those flights. Well, that, that's kind of you to refer to me as distinguished, but I have to tell you, I was a very junior member of a team uh, largely made up of many of the folks sitting here, uh, a still perhaps to, uh, to declare candidate for governor. Uh, <laughs> the dean of lifting body flight, Joe, had just left. Uh, and so I, w I started to say the youngest member, but I realized that in this assemblage, one of us using the term youngest is being absurdly uh, relative in the use of the term. <laughs> Never, nevertheless, um, I, I got my first uh, opportunity to uh, fly in, um, in a captive flight, unpowered, and I realized uh, probably a few hours after landing that I needed to do something a little bit more than I was doing at that point to try to get ready for subsequent flights. Um, this is really a vignette for those of you who still have very dark hair thinking about your future, and I'm not sure there's a moral in this story. In any case, there are really two components to preparing for the flight. One of them was the uh, the landing uh, portion, which of course you simulated with the 104, and I had actually started my training without knowing it by playing chase four for both Bill Dana and, and uh, um, Pete Knight uh, in their landing of the X-15. The other component was uh, in a simulator, engineering simulator, I think it was euphemistically called, where you could see the uh, aspects, the aerodynamic uh, parameters that you're going to try to meet. Uh, you could do a pitch doublet, you could do a, a rudder pulse, but it was very rudimentary. Uh, no similarity to the cockpit in Toto. Well, after that first flight, I decided that if I was going to be mentally prepared for a mission, a test mission that went from 45,000 to 90 plus, back to the earth in less time than Ken Dyson was in that parachute coming down from uh, his uh, experience that I'd better do something else. And so what I personally did uh, was simply go down to the NASA facility before every flight, probably anywhere from 2.30 to 4 in the morning, and I just sat in one of the birds, flew the mission over and over and over in my head, touched all the switches, and that was the only way that I felt like I could successfully integrate for a flight that lasted seven minutes plus nominally. Uh, it was a great experience, and I realize as I've listened to all the presentations here today that uh, since that hundredth uh, or that hundred-year-ago event that we're commemorating, that we're building a gigantic mosaic, and I'm just thankful I had a chance to maybe help put one little piece in the large picture. Our second segment is about STPA, System Theoretic Process Analysis. I didn't have a good understanding of this process and wanted to learn more. Here is Dr. Nancy Levinson's introduction from the STPA handbook. 
STPA, or System Theoretic Process Analysis, is a relatively new hazard analysis technique based on an extended model of accident causation. In addition to component failures, STPA assumes that accidents can also be caused by unsafe interactions of system components, none of which may have failed. Some of the advantages of STPA over traditional hazard risk analysis techniques are that 1. Very complex systems can be analyzed. Unknown unknowns that were previously only found in operations can be identified early in the development process and either eliminated or mitigated. Both intended and unintended functionality are handled. 2. Unlike the traditional hazard analysis methods, STPA can be started early in concept analysis to assist in identifying safety requirements and constraints. These can then be used to design safety and security into the system architecture and design, eliminating the costly rework involved when design flaws are identified late in development or during operations. As the design is refined and more detailed design decisions are made, the STPA analysis is also refined to help make more and more detailed design decisions. Complete traceability from requirements to all system artifacts can be easily maintained, enhancing system maintainability and evolution. 3. STPA includes software and human operators in the analysis, ensuring that the hazard analysis includes all potential causal factors and losses. 4. STPA provides documentation of system functionality that is often missing or difficult to find in large complex systems. And 5. STPA can be easily integrated into your systems engineering process and into model-based systems engineering. Many evaluations and comparisons of STPA to more traditional hazard analysis methods such as fault tree analysis, failure modes and effects criticality analysis, event tree analysis, and hazard and operability analysis have been done. In all of these evaluations, STPA found all the causal scenarios found by the more traditional analyses, but it also identified many more, often software-related and non-failure scenarios that the traditional methods did not find. In some cases, where there had been an accident that the analyst had not been told about, only STPA found the cause of the accident. In addition, STPA turned out to be much less costly in terms of time and resources than the traditional methods. This concludes this podcast. Once again, we welcome your input and feedback. Until next time, be safe, be smart, be ready.